Welcome to FedScoop's podcast series on IT modernization in government, underwritten this week by Akamai Technologies. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in this week's episode, we're talking about how agencies can more proactively protect their operations and their data against malware, ransomware, and DNS exfiltration attacks. Joining us to talk about that today is the Chief Technology Officer for Security Strategy at Akamai Technologies, Patrick Sullivan. Akamai is known for being the world's largest distributed platform, serving hundreds of millions of IP addresses operating at the edge of the internet. That provides Patrick and his team a unique window on how best to defend against enterprise attacks. Patrick has spent the past 14 years at Akamai and another 10 years working in the communications sector, including four years at the Defense Information Systems Agency. Patrick, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So we suddenly find ourselves facing extraordinary times with organizations across the globe suddenly asking people to work remotely. How has that huge surge in traffic, or at least traffic coming from a lot of diverse places, impacted your operations and a lot of your enterprise customers that Akamai supports? You're exactly right. You know, I think as so much of the world has been asked to stay home, commerce has shifted even more to e-commerce Rather than going to the movies, people are streaming. So we're seeing just internet consumption really spiking. So to give you a sense, you know, we saw a peak in Q1 of 19 of uh, around 70 terabits a second. Q1 of 2020, we're seeing in excess of 160 terabits a second. So just massive amounts of traffic. And I think, you know, by and large, that edge model of being close to end users, residential networks seem to be faring better than, you know, some of the peering points where, where there's congestion. But really, I I think the bottleneck that people are experiencing is in the remote access solutions for corporate networks. You know, those uh, in many cases just are simply not designed to see this type of surge in, in users working remotely. We've spent recent weeks, you know, helping customers scale up remote access to basically have a cloud based model for remote access that's at the edge of the internet versus bringing traffic all into, you know, fixed devices with fixed capacity at a corporate HQ, for example. Well, and zeroing in a little bit more on the security part of this, you're certainly familiar how the federal government has been putting a concerted effort into moving beyond perimeter defenses and embracing more of a zero trust approach. There's still a lot of security dangers lurking on their perimeter, however. What are the biggest concerns you and your team are dealing with that are a particular impact to federal agencies? Yes. So I think there's a lot of progress being made, you know, moving away from kind of that model of perimeter defense where you had a trusted network segment. Uh, I think the NIST guidance that continues to be refined uh, around zero trust architecture uh, is really good. So I think that's a nice guideline for any agency wishing to move to, to zero trust. Uh, but really, I think it's it's the same points you see highlighted there. The risk in establishing trust at the network layer, in many ways, asking a perimeter defense to uh, to defend a network at layer three is is asking it to defend the indefensible. Once an adversary gains a foothold inside a network that is kind of has that perimeter model, there are some really soft targets there. So so moving to more of a zero trust model where your position in the network topology doesn't grant you uh, access. It's moving up to the application layer uh, centered on identity and strong auth and those type of concepts, uh, we believe, you know, will deliver better outcomes in the long term. Uh, And I think what we've seen, you know, so many organizations around the world have intended to kind of move in in that path. That's been the strategy. You know, the strategy is often, you know, we're going to use the internet as a corporate WAN. Uh, In many cases now, 
you know, the internet uh, via remote access is the predominant uh, when that, that people are using to, to access applications. Well, and to follow on that, as I understand it, Akamai has taken its expertise in domain name security and developed a security as a service model to help agencies and enterprises, in particular, that find themselves short-staffed. How does that work, actually? And can you give agencies maybe examples of how they're taking advantage of that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the nice part about DNS is it's a really uh, nice choke point, right? Whether employees are uh, in the headquarters building or whether they're working from home, almost everything that, that people do these days starts with a DNS request. And that's a really nice place to intercept traffic and, and see if you can reduce risk, you know, just based on what you know about uh, the domain that somebody's reaching out to. Uh, so at Akamai, we see trillions of DNS queries a day. We maintain, you know, intelligence around the risk of any given domain. So we can gain insight if, if a request goes out to a domain that that we believe to be for phishing or, or in the service of malware distribution or is leveraged as part of command and control uh, networks, we can arrest that threat right at the, the first phase of you know, DNS request time. And I think where that comes in, in terms of people being short-staffed, the data we've seen suggests that if you stop those attacks there with kind of simple DNS protection, that will lead to fewer events deeper into the, the kill chain. So fewer events firing on the network uh, perimeter, IDS, IPS type of systems, all the way up to incidents. So you do uh, recover some analyst time as you're reducing those threats. And I know Akamai works with most of the world's largest companies. I'm just curious, what lessons would you share with uh, large and medium federal agencies in dealing with the rapidly changing nature of the internet and global threats? Yeah, you know, this quarter has been a challenging time for everyone. And I think it's a good opportunity to, you know, test out your resiliency plans, your business continuity plan. Uh, you know, how resilient are you in the event that many of your workers need to, to be remote? Uh, unfortunately, I think we're also seeing the inevitable, you know, attacker behavior after any type of a crisis or a tragedy. You know, adversaries are looking to leverage these type of events to further their attacks. You know, it's been well documented that this is a very popular uh, phishing lure. So, so again, uh, the time to train employees is ahead of time, but now is a good time to remind employees that, you know, when you're emotional, adversaries will, you know, potentially take advantage of that and try to use the current crisis to get you to open something that you may not otherwise, if you were thinking, you know, more clearly and, and less emotional. Uh, so good time to have a reminder there. And also, you know, many networks are in a more fragile state as so much of the employee base is being supported via remote access. So when that's fragile, you know, we are working with a lot of organizations to review uh, resiliency to DDoS. So should you see somebody trying to capitalize on high volumes of legitimate traffic, you know, atypical uh, traffic flows with so much traffic coming in through remote access, and maybe using that as their opening to launch a, a DDoS attack for, for a variety of motivations. So finally, Patrick, looking into the future a little bit, what trends are you seeing that agency CIOs and IT folks need to keep aware of, and in particular, to make sure that they're able to secure their networks? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one of the threats that, uh, that we've been focused on is, is just kind of the nature of modern applications. Uh, and I think government has a much better understanding of the risk here probably than other sectors that, that we work with. 
But a modern web application is no longer just a browser making requests to you know a particular .gov domain, and then you know that content being rendered from that particular data center in the cloud or in colocation. Most web applications now are a mix of that first-party content, and then also developers are leveraging you know frameworks, widgets, other content that's often supplied by a third party. And adversaries have really focused in on that supply chain, and they're leveraging that pretty frequently these days in terms of the way that they attack a web application. If it's difficult to attack through the front door and, and the calls that go back to the data center themselves, maybe it will be an analytics partner or a widget partner. So I think where that's bringing the industry is, you know, we feel it's no longer sufficient just to kind of have inline web application protection, but you need to understand uh, what's happening at the runtime down at the client browser so that you can, you know, assess these risks. The whole series of calls that make up uh, the integrated web application, first party, third party, you know, uh, nth party that that the third party invites in uh, so you can understand that entire end-to-end risk. So I think that's an area where people are moving beyond just kind of that first party and tackling the entire supply chain risk, starting with web applications. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. Patrick Sullivan, thanks for joining us to talk about IT modernization and security. And thanks to Akamai Technologies for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our coverage of IT transformation in government on fedscoop.com or subscribe to our FedScoop radio channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash. Thanks for tuning in.